Everybody, put away your pens, put away your pencils, step away from the keyboards, and settle in for this week's episode of The Writer's Block. It is me, Matt Wright, your wonderful host of tonight's episode. Uh, truly just thanking you for being here uh, on a Thursday evening watching The Writer's Block, a Muddied Waters Media production. Uh, I know there are a lot of things that you can be doing on Thursday nights, and I appreciate the fact that you choose to spend them here with me. Uh, no matter where you're watching this, if you're watching this on Float, if you're watching this on Twitch, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, Twitter, Facebook, wherever, LinkedIn, I think, I don't know, make sure that you like or whatever you like, you heart, you do whatever they want you to do on that app to let people know that you like it. Comment and share. Uh, like, comment, and share uh, everywhere. And if you have not yet subscribed on any of those platforms, make sure you do. Make sure that anytime Muddied Waters Media goes live, your phone just explodes with notifications. Send it out to all of your friends, all of your family, all of your loved ones, and even those that you hate. Give the gift of Muddied Waters today. Um, Along with you guys, allow me to thank the wonderful and fine people at knockamallathome.com for the kava that I'm drinking today. Uh, knockamallathome.com is the finest in kava providers on the internet. So be sure to go visit them for your kava. Bula Vinaka. Before I bring on my guests, let me pay off some bills. Starting off with 
The Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing and second largest caucus in the Libertarian Party, uh, and the only waffle related caucus possibly anywhere. I think that the <laughs> GOP has pancakes and uh, the Dems have vegan bacon. Um, but we have waffles here at the Libertarian Party. And if you want to become a member of the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, join the exclusive group. That's not really all that exclusive on Facebook uh, and uh, find the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus on Facebook. And if you want to become a voting member, all you have to do is go to the Muddied Waters Media Store. Muddy Dwarders Media Store, where you can pick up Waffle House Caucus gear, including buttons and shirts. And uh, once you do that, you will become an official voting member. You can also get other great content or other great clothing items uh, at the store that we have there. Um, and you see me wear them often. This is a rare occasion in which I'm just wearing my favorite T-shirt. The Gravy King. Tom Queter is running for state Senate in New York. And as he likes to say, I run better than Albany. Get it? Because he can't run. Because he's in a wheelchair. Because his legs don't work. But if you go to TomFor52.com, that's T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com, uh, you can support Tom Queter in his uh, in his bid to be the First, maybe, I don't know if that's true, first state senator in New York not to need the chair in the Senate chambers because he comes with one. Mudwater. Mudwater is for all of you out there who wake up in the morning and go, you know what I don't want? A delicious hot cup of coffee. Instead, I want something that tastes so much worse and has one-seventh of the caffeine. It is the coffee alternative that has masala chai, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and that is it. If you are one of those people out there who hate coffee and yourself, uh, go to muddiedwatersmedia.com slash mud to make the switch today. Stitches and glitches and defy the power. Uh, they are the absolute finest in tumbler makers not only in the Libertarian Party, but everywhere else in the world. Uh, they have a wide variety of tumblers for you to choose from and so many customization customizations that you can do to these tumblers. Uh, you can make each tumbler personal and your own. If you use the code MUDDYTUMBLER, uh, you get 10% off, but that ends on Halloween. I think midnight, East Coast probably. I'm not 100% sure, but it ends it ends on Sunday. So if you want to get people a wonderful and fantastic gift for the holiday season that uh, will last through the apocalypse, that will keep their drinks cold and or hot the way that they want them to be, like you, it won't make your cold drinks hot. It, it knows what you want. Go to stitchesandglitches.com or defythepower.com. Use code MuddyTumblr for 10% off and get the greatest gift that anybody could possibly ever get for this holiday season. Joe Soloski is running for governor of Pennsylvania. And honestly, if you live in the Pennsylvania region of these United States, there is no better person that you can vote for. Not only is he the voice of Muddied Waters of Freedom on Tuesday nights, but he is the kindest, warmest, gentlest man I have ever spoken with, and he deserves everybody's vote. 
Uh, he is also a firm believer in freedom and liberty, and nobody can deny that. Uh, if you live in the re Pennsylvania region of these United States, vote for Joe Solosky. He is the key to making Pennsylvania mightier than the sword of authoritarianism. Jack Casey, he wrote some books. I have not read these books. I'm never going to read these books, but people tell me they're good. Uh, the Royal Green and Silver Throned and Crowned by Gold. Uh, I can say a lot about Jack Casey, but this week, what I'm going to say is Jack Casey is a fantastic human being. Uh, Jack Casey is a fantastic human being, and you should all go and purchase these books uh, and let me know if they are any good. So that way I don't feel bad about the fact that I make fun of them as much as I do. I love you, Jack. Um, thank you for your continued support of Muddied Waters Media. Uh, yeah, so got a great guest tonight. Um, I'm very excited to have him on. Uh, he is a libertarian in Detroit, which is already seemingly a weird statement just to think about it, uh, because I didn't think anybody other than Democrats lived in Detroit. Uh, but not only that. He is, uh, he worked on the Gary Johnson campaign in 2016, and he has decided to run for police commissioner, which may sound like an oxymoron, but we are going to go into why it is not. So please welcome my 69th nice guest, everybody, Scotty Bell. Hey, Scotty, how, how are you? All right, out there in, um... In cyberspace, um, <laughs> hi, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. The it, I'm, I live down here in Florida, um, and the heat has finally seemed to have broken. Um, you know, we're what is it, October 28th, and uh, I think tomorrow is going to be the first day since like February where the high is not going to be 80 or higher. So I'm very excited about this upcoming weekend. Yeah, it's getting pretty cold um, over here in Detroit. We had a, a decently warm day today, which was good because we managed to um, visit a lot of households. Um, it's been other days, like tomorrow, it's probably going to be raining. And there's other things I need to catch up on that I've been putting off because I've been using literally every available moment of daylight, um, at least in the afternoon um through well, what was the evening and now it's it's pretty much just becoming the afternoon um to go door to door and talk to people about why they should make me their police commissioner um and now as far as detroit that you're, you're you are correct that the vast majority of voters i wouldn't say all of them right. but let's say 85 percent of the voters in detroit and i think that's an actual statistic um are democrats and of that, of the remaining 15%, they're probably, you know, I don't know, maybe 13% are independents that vote Democrat most of the time. And then, you know, there's libertarians and Republicans and Greens and whatever else kind of there on the leftover. Yeah, and um, scattered in that last 2%, that last 2% of people yeah. in Detroit are like, that, that's yeah. every other fringe party plus the Republicans. Right. But here's the other part of it. The municipal elections in Detroit are 100% nonpartisan. Okay. 
which I mean, might as well be, you're not going to have it'd be like one party rule otherwise, um, are, are um, nonpartisan. But what that means also is that the um, problem we run up against is a lot of times it may not matter how good you sound as a candidate to the voters, if they um, are straight ticket voters, they just, and in Michigan, we have straight ticket voting, they just mark their party of choice and figure they're done with the partisan section and move on. Well, this way, they're actually voting for candidates. They're voting for individuals. They're not voting for political parties. So that right there is already a major equalizer that myself and my opponent, neither one is listed as part of a party. We're both listed um, just by our names and under the office we're running for. And then beyond that, people need to look into us and find out about us or we can tell them about us. Um, and what I've been doing then is, you know, focusing on what I actually plan to be doing. And a lot of my positions are very popular among people who aren't necessarily libertarians. Um, the Board of Police Commissioners, and here's one thing, the oxymoron part, I should go right over to what is the Board of Police Commissioners. Right. I was going to, um, that was actually where I was going to lead with the, uh, uh, the Board of Police Commissioner. So, uh, this and you is should not feel you should not feel bad being over in Florida and not knowing what the board of police commissioners is in Detroit because <laughs> most of the people in Detroit, and I ran for this four years ago, well, against the same person. Um, most of the people in Detroit, at least then now, maybe it's getting a little better. Um, but I still say probably maybe a light majority do not know what the board of police commissioners are. And even those who do may not know as much about it as they probably should when evaluating who should be on it. And so half of my job is actually educating people about what the board of police commissioners is. And I, I didn't just start that this season. I've been doing it for the past four years. Right. I was going to um, say, uh... now I'll tell you what it is. Okay. It's not part of the police department. And I start with that always. It is not part of the police department. I am not running to be the chief law enforcement officer in Detroit. Okay. The chief law enforcement officer in Detroit is the chief of police. And that person is actually appointed by the mayor from a list of people provided to him by the board of police commissioners. So they do have something to do with police. Gotcha. But they are not officers. Um, the other thing about the board of police commissioners, what 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 do they do? Well, and you know, you probably most people. Let's just be honest. The one place where ninety percent of the people probably think of what is a police commissioner, and they look for some source of information is see. Look, tell me where what you think I'm about to say. So. Uh... If I think of a if I think of a police commissioner, I think of somebody who oversees the different departments of the police. Um, but where would you? What would your reference be? What would be the one thing you you something specific, something concrete that most people would recognize if you said it? Um, it's like the president of the police would be. Right, but that, I mean, is there a source where 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 do you hear about a police commissioner? Oh, uh, well, I like Brooklyn Nine-Nine is where most of my knowledge of what the police commissioner does. Oh, okay. That's totally different. I was, I was, I just assumed you'd say Batman. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Commission. Yeah. 
that that also makes sense. In all fairness, I was trying to remember. I could not like I was blanking on the name of the movie with Axel Foley. That took place place in Detroit, and I was trying to think of that as hard as I could, and I was like, it it just was not coming to me. Um, Yeah, but most people I talk to, it's automatically they somewhere in the back of their mind they're defining police commissioner based upon the character in Batman, and. That person does seem awful like, like a lot like a police chief. And then, like, you know, also people watch daytime soaks on General Hospital. The police commissioner of Port Charles is a lot like a chief of police. But in Detroit, and it used to be this way, up until 1974, we also had one commissioner, and it probably wasn't that far off from that. Right. Um, we had a chief and a commissioner, and um, probably a lot of other cities do it that way. But in Detroit, what it is, is an oversight board. Specifically, it's a civilian oversight board. And the purpose is that people have some place to take a complaint about police other than another officer. We have something called internal affairs. Most police departments do. And that's where police police the police. And if someone has a problem with a police officer, they could go to internal affairs. And if it's the kind of um, thing that police would be against each other on, um, they might have some success. But a lot of people are not comfortable going to police with complaints about police. And the Board of Police Commissioners was created in 1974 specifically to do that. In Detroit, we had this unit called STRESS. It was exceptionally abusive of, of citizens, especially poor people, especially black people. And um, they were, um, and obviously then under those circumstances, a lot of people were hesitant to go to any officer with any complaint about anything stress was doing, for instance. And so the charter was amended, which is the you know overriding document, the constitution of the city back then, so that people would have this independent board to oversee the police. Okay. And um, and then Coleman A. Young, Detroit's first black mayor, who then stayed in office for multiple terms, right? He ended up appointing that board. And the first appointees, I don't believe any of them were former police officers. And since then, some have been, some haven't been. And the guy I'm running against, his big claim to um, why he should be elected is, after all, he was served 30 years on the Detroit Police Department. And to me, that is a big disqualifier, because if you're trying to evaluate abusive behavior by police officers, now you know, there are some former cops that rise above it, are able to kind of put that behind them and look at things objectively. This man can't. He he is he is blue and I think you know he's blue all through. He probably has blue blood running through him, and I don't mean royalty. I mean police <laughs> blood running through his whole body. This man is as blue as they get. The, and the thin I, blue and line he's really a isn't just a stamp sticker on whatever his truck. the police department wants. Yeah, he is not doing the oversight job. And so when I approach people in Detroit and they find out one, what is the board of police commissioners? Two, what are you going to do? And then I talk to them. Then I start getting somewhere. And then I become, and I'm actually quite popular once people have a chance to meet me and once people have had a, a time to understand what the Board of Police Commissioners is. Right. Now, so you were elected uh, in 2020, last year, 
to uh, Detroit's Community Advisory Council with 20,357 votes. Um, yes. According to my notes here. Um, I, I might be off. But I doubt it because I know who did these notes. Um, so what is the Detroit's Community Advisory Council? Okay, and what that is, is it's a um, it's also part of the city government that okay. is tasked with improving communication between city council and residents and helping residents navigate Detroit's government. Um, unlike any other part of Detroit's government, they do not receive any taxpayer dollars. So some people might go, and actually I should add that the, we have seven districts in Detroit. They're split up based upon population to, to even it out every, and they have to adjust it. They're gonna redistrict because of the census soon. Um, and when I first, the reason we even have a community advisory council is because in 2019, it's like, well, here's my summers. 2019, I spent creating community. Well, I didn't single-handedly do it. I single-handedly petitioned to create the community advisory council collecting okay. thousands of signatures to make that happen. And um, so I could really credit every, every signer with helping create it. And that, a lot of people might think, well, a libertarian adding to the government, that's terrible. What, what kind of libertarian is that? But they don't get any taxpayer dollars. And so it's not like we're taking anything from anybody. It might cost a little more ink to print the ballots, but not, that's about it. Um, and again, it's really just to amplify the community's voice to the city council. Um, so as far as, you know, my views, how does that affect, um, how, why people would have chosen me? And it's because, well, I'm, all I'm doing is amplifying their views to the city council. I'm not making legislation. I'm not really imposing any particular agenda because that isn't what the job involves. And so that's where, you know, again, it's, it's, and it's a nonpartisan ballot. I actually got more votes than my current opponent earned when he ran against me in um, 2017. Plus, if I were to count the number of votes our city council person in the same district earned in 2017 and added those together, I still got more votes than that in 2020 when I ran for community advisory council. I spent that summer campaigning <laughs> and in summer 2021 i've been campaigning for this right. um but that i got a lot of but it was also one of the best attended elections ever and there were five openings and i'm the only person who got his name on the ballot um the other two um where we had because why well, maybe i guess people are in it for money we don't get paid the um other two were um we did have gregory creswell um, who was just out helping me campaign a few minutes ago and um, he is also in the Community Advisory Council because he handed in the paper to be a writing candidate. And we had one other writing candidate who was a Democrat, but of course it's not partisan ballot, but that's what he's run for office for as before. And um, yeah, we all got on there and it um, came out you know, pretty good. We, um, we got three of us, it wasn't quite a quorum. And so we had some fuss going on trying to get other people appointed by our council person. And we now have um, at least six out of what should be seven members um, in that, on that, 
body. And we have been meeting every month and the charter only requires us to meet four times a year, but there's like a whole lot more going on in the city than four times a year is going to cover. And one interesting twist is Detroit as a city council where some of the council people are dedicated to the whole city and other ones are committed to certain regions, to the districts. Our district council person, who's the main guy we're supposed to interact with, well, he ended up getting indicted on bribery charges and he had to resign. So we never did get our youth representative appointed. That was the one appointee he never got around to. But, um, well, in, in which, you know, it's kind of sad. But um, I guess the one thing is our community advisory council has outlasted the council person. Right. We were supposed I, to interact with the council on. Like I had to, I had to chuckle at that a little bit because um, I was absolutely shocked, just shocked that a politician from Detroit was indicted on bribery charges. I can't believe it. Uh, so why is it that, how, it, why did you get so involved in law, like in law enforcement and wanting to, uh, oversee the police? Like how, how did you find yourself there? Well, um, you know, I really found out about the, um, I can, I guess, stop looking at my own image. I think I yeah. tip in my head <laughs> trying to keep up with it. Maybe that's what Reagan used to do. Cause he always used to tip his head that way. Yeah, um, just, he was just looking yeah, at himself. He, just... he talked like while he's talking yeah. but um Here yeah there, one there. thing that got me interested in it was back in um 2013 um i had a experience where i was campaigning and um for a city clerk at the time and there was an incident that happened and i don't know really how far there's certain technical reasons why me i can't talk too heavily about it but you can look it up or you can search for like or your viewers can and listeners can you know search for Scotty Bowman police city clerk 2013 okay. and what they'll find is a story about an interaction between myself and a campus police officer who is also retired um Detroit police officer um and my efforts to um basically be a whistleblower on campaign violations by the city clerk who at the time was my opponent and who's still in office, by the way. And um, my injuries I had after that interaction and the fact that I really wasn't breaking any law, but a um, rogue judge who is still in office um, decided I was guilty anyway, having a bench trial and figuring what's well, obvious I didn't break this law. They charged me with trespassing in an area that was open to the public where I also worked. Um, so there was like absolutely no way I wasn't supposed to be there, but for somehow I got charged with trespassing, um, and so, and convicted, but, um, in any case, the, um, you know, there, there's this whole interaction where, um, there was an injury. Um, I went to something called the crime victims compensation board that we have here in D- in uh, Michigan to help people who are victims of crimes. And it, it's a fund that comes from, um, really people paying fines who commit crimes it's like a restitution fund and i um you know and i had to get a paper signed by a police officer in the detroit police department and he wouldn't sign it he refused to sign the thing it's like 
nobody don't want to do that. And so I ended up having, I I was like, who do I go to, to make a police officer do something? And I found out then about the board of police commissioners, which actually I'd found out around the same time that it existed because it was an election. And it was the first year that the board of police office commissioners, which used to be appointed, became elected. So we were hearing about it also from the candidates. And that's actually my opponent got elected then and has been in ever since. But I went then to the board of police commissioners with my complaint. And that's where I found out that, oh, they have this office of the chief investigator and that person can investigate my complaint. And as soon as that person even began investigating that complaint, she just said, call him up again and ask him to sign it. I called him up again. I brought him the form. He went ahead and signed it. So that was how I first learned about it. I also learned in that whole experience how ridiculously, I mean, not that I was really... um, that naive about the system to begin with but it's one thing to hear about it from a distance and it's another to actually be in it you know right in the in the midst of everything right, in the thick and just to see how ridiculously stacked the system is against civilians and how it's really just completely takes the word of police no matter how how much evidence you have to the contrary right so you said that back in 2013, I know that we can't get into the incident um, for whatever reason. People, 2013, Scotty Bowman, police, mm-hmm. uh, city clerk. Uh, Google that, people, uh, so you can find out more information. Um, you said that you were at the uh, you were at the campus, which was a public place that you worked at. What? So, what was your background? What were like you were running well, for city I clerk? Teach what, math and physics, and still do. Okay. I was teaching a math class over there. But the, also, the reason that particular area was open to the general public and the reason that anything to do with the city clerk is they also have early voting in Detroit. And the community college is one of the early voting locations. And okay. So I was in the area where they were doing the early voting and where um, our clerk, I can talk about this, our city clerk had a great big... Um, banner up with her name on it that was less than 100 feet from the polling location whereas other people couldn't do anything to campaign in less than 100 feet from the polling station and her voting materials actually had printed on them if you took out your instructions for your absentee ballot it said in giant print among the much smaller print instructions janice winfrey city clerk and big giant letters and so it was, you know, that was like quite a promotion to have there right next to the ballot. No one else got to do that. Um, and ultimately, by the way, my complaint did turn into something as far as that goes. The Secretary of State, you know, contacted um, her deputy clerk and said, you know what, you can't do that. And you talked to her. And next thing you knew, all this stuff that had her name on it connected with the um, voting process had it removed. So I actually did change something, even though, you know, I maybe had to suffer a little, let's just say. Right. And, you know, with, with, uh, with every great, uh, achievement, there's always going to be some suffering. Uh, and it's great when you get to see that happening. So since you're foray into, uh, wanting to serve on the community advisory council and now running for the, uh, for the commission, um, what do you believe the role of law enforcement is in the taxpayers' lives? 
in the citizens' lives? Well, um, I see it. Um, first, I'm, I'm a gradualist, and not a gradualist because I think there's anything necessarily virtuous about hanging on to a little bit of aggression as you move along, because I don't. But just as a practical matter, I don't think you're going to get anywhere other than maybe, you know, it might get some people to think about it, but you're not going to, if you're actually trying to create change this year or next year in the near future, you're not going to do it by taking the most extreme position and saying we should do this now. Um, and so instead, um, let's, you know, you, I, I see minarchism kind of as a good stopping point along the um, long journey toward the complete removal of aggression, which ultimately I would like to see. Um, so somewhere between here and there, we have um, less aggression. Part of that also means that people need to be free enough to be able to challenge the system without the system having all kinds of different mechanisms in place to keep people down. And so as a process, within the process, we need to be able to um, have a means of the common citizen, the individual, being able to push back against excesses. Of course, I mean, for libertarians, almost everything government does is an excess, but yeah, that... um, excesses that almost anyone would recognize is excessive against individuals. And um, one way to do that is to have um, oversight boards like the Board of Police Commissioners, which is able to um, deal with officers who um, go beyond what the law allows them to do aggressively. Um, also allows one to have some recourse um, when um, offer, officers have acted exceptionally aggressively toward them. And also the Board of Police Commissioners has a role in setting policy. So one can actually work in, we're not legislative, we can't change the law. But we can have an effect on the way in which the policy of the police department is um, brought to the police and how they go about enforcing the law. So in that way, there's a lot of policy room that can help improve people's liberty and privacy to, um, you know, if there's a decision on whether or not to um, support and make as part of um, the department's use certain surveillance technology that invades people's privacy, well, that's something I, as a police commissioner, could have a role in, if elected, um, in order to say, no, you know, we don't want to give up our privacy for um, a tiny bit of imagined um, security. And, off, and in fact, um, some of the surveillance technology, like facial recognition technology, isn't even reliable at that, beyond the fact that if it is reliable, it could be quite dangerous. And in fact, I guess China has it fine-tuned a little better and is using it like with their social credit system, right. um, which really treats people differently based upon all kinds of personal behavior that they have. Um, so there, that's one area. And then there's the area of excessive force, is the area of when is it okay to do um, effectively a home invasion, um, you know, and call it serving a warrant. These are things that we can set policy on and that we can place limits on. 
So uh, we've got a question from one of the people watching right now, John Morrissey, owner of Stitches and Glitches and DefyThePower.com. Um, but uh, he said, would you be able to fire or recommend terminations in this office? Like if you if there is an officer out there with lots of excessive force. Excellent like, question. And the answer is yes, if the charter, which is the governing document of our city, is followed. And no, if an usurping judge decides otherwise. And that is a problem we had most recently. Uh, I'll be specific about a case we had here where um, a woman named Shelby Smith was um she was in a and there was a series of events leading up to it but ultimately she found herself um in a um emergency room at a hospital with the office with a few police officers present uh, i think there were at least three of them and one of those police officers took it upon himself in fact yeah i know there are at least three of them because one of them was kind of um holding this woman in place pretty much. And the other one was trying to pull this one officer off her who was um, beating her up, who was repeatedly punching her, using her like a punching bag. Um, the reason this even came to light is, well, guess what? Somebody had a phone in yeah, a lobby somebody... that had a camera and video on it and uploaded it to the internet and it went viral and there you go um in 2018 in august um that is when this happened okay. all right so this man uh he was a corporal at the time named Dwayne jones he ended up um being um a vet and once this got caught to light the board of police commissioners then um did have one decision to make about him and um the the, the police chief had actually um moved to at, requested that he be and that's Chief Craig, who is our former police chief now, um, had requested that he be um, suspended without pay, which is a pretty standard thing when, you know, yeah, that's like, the, that's the go to. That's like when you're taking a test, you circle C if you don't know the answer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, um, but instead, well, I guess the, um, instead of the Board of Police Commissioners, um, voted to suspend him with pay which comes out to him actually getting um it's a paid vacation a paid vacation and turn it there we go i'm trying to get my thing there i'm trying to get in the middle of the, the picture right. oh there it, we go and it, it, um it's backwards so when you're moving it it's gonna it's gonna go the yeah, opposite direction that that so think. it looks like so everything looks forward so people can actually read if they see my shirt right but um, exactly yeah so, um, but what happened was the, my opponent was among those voting and up until I rewatched the video the other day, it seemed like, because it was really hard to tell how they were voting. It was supposedly a roll call vote, but they didn't really make it clear who was voting how, unless you were really being careful about it. I finally figured out what he did is he waited until everyone else had voted. And when he realized that if he abstained and if one other person who was still trying to make up his mind wasn't allowed to vote, then Jones would be suspended with pay. And what he, so he simply didn't vote at all. 
And then he, when one of the commissioners who, who later told me he would have voted to suspend without pay, just said, okay, I'm ready to vote now. I've made up my mind. Um, my opponent was like, no, no, it's too late. We're already done voting because he was chairing the meeting. Oh. And so I just assumed that, you know, obviously he must have voted to suspend without pay. Well, going looking back, I'm suspended with pay, like he right. voted in favor of the guy getting paid. I looked back at it later and realized, no, he just waited until he didn't have to vote at all. And it was a foregone conclusion. So then he had probable deniability. And this guy's really good at probable deniability. And so when later on he's asked, um, well, is there any decision of the board? And this is like when he's asked by like a newspaper, is there any decision of that board that you regret? He said, oh, yes, I should have lobbied my colleagues more to vote to suspend the guy without pay. Well, maybe you should have voted yourself to suspend the guy without pay. He didn't even do that. So um, you know, the man, the man's like great at kind of mincing words, make it sound like he's for one thing when he's for something else. Um, so anyway, I digress. I wanted to talk about what actually happened in this case that you brought up about, can you fire them? Right. Well, and so the next thing that happened is he, um, this this um, officer ultimately was convicted of assault in the court of law. As he should um, be. And you think, well, okay, you got a cop convicted of assault. Maybe he won't have a job anymore. Oh, but no, he still had a job and he came up for a promotion and they promoted him. So after he beats up a woman in a hospital. And after, after he's somebody, convicted of assault. And he's convicted of assault in, in a, in a, by they a promote a violent peers. criminal. Right. They, they promoted him. Um, Welcome to Detroit. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. So they, they um, promoted a violent criminal. And, um, and then later on, apparently now it's like I technically, I guess now you could say, well, you can't call me a violent criminal now because I'm getting a second trial. Of course, he's you know, managed to get some judge to grant a second trial. But okay, Wait, at the time he had to grant a second trial. So at the time he was a convicted violent criminal. Right. And um, and you might say, well, okay, how did he get promoted? Well, our charter says the Board of Police Commissioners is the final word on promotions. Unanimously, all of them, including my my opponent to his credit, voted against the promotion. But of course. Some of them, I think, were quite disingenuous in doing this because some of them already knew what was coming up next. And what came up next was that, and this is really some weird legalistic gobbly gunk here. I mean, this is the swamp. I, actually, I shouldn't even use that metaphor because some people I don't like use the swamp. Right. But anyway, <laughs> I don't even talk about that, that orange swamp thing or whatever. But anyway, um, the... Um, what what they ended up doing was they the the DPOA, which is Detroit Off Police Officers Association, and I don't really blame them because unions are supposed to do everything for their members, no matter what. And okay, so what they did for their member, being Dwayne Jones here, is they went to court and said, well, you know what? According to the labor contract, if you can check this box, this box, and this box, then you're then you're up for a promotion. Well, never mind the exception that he was convicted of, he a, was violent convicted crime. of a violent crime. He was and, convicted yeah. of assault. Yeah. 
and that he it, it, but anyway the contract didn't say anything about well whether or not he was convicted of a violent crime so they're arbitrate but of course the charter should still be above that because the charter is the ruling document of the city and it says that the board of police commissioners is the final word of promotions well it went to a court and some judge decided to take away the board of police commissioners powers well at least in this case in this one case um by simply saying well you got to keep your contract and sorry if the city has another policy they got to keep their contract well i mean he may he may have taken away for this one case but at the same time the precedent's there so no matter what so it's a bad thing yeah he's taken it away for many cases in the future yep now what i've said since then is i go okay they were able to pull that because of the, the language regarding promotions why don't you just fire the guy then no one i can't get a no the the board has yet to actually have a motion seconded and voted on as to whether to fire the guy we should at least have enough commissioners willing to do that right. um and if they did i have a feeling it wouldn't pass what happened is bell keeps getting in there as chair half the time when anyone makes a motion he disagrees with he just um, goes ahead and says it's out of order or he ignores the motion completely. And if any of the commissioners protest, he mutes them because, hey, now that because of the um, pandemic, we can go ahead and mute people because um, we're having all our meetings in Zoom instead of in person. And so he'll go ahead and mute people or have one of the staff people mute the person. So this is now, this is like the bully um tactics being used by someone basically playing interference to true civilian oversight of the police and then what we have on top of that is um we do have now occasionally the charter does require that the chairperson step down they they're term limited but they can come back after it just limits consecutive terms not total terms right and so he's basically constantly trading places with somebody who usually does his bidding and then he comes right back and he'll sit there in meetings when the other chair when we have another chair like right now we have another chair right now he'll sit there at the meetings and if the chair is doing something that he wouldn't do himself he'll like interrupt the guy and just say oh no you can do this you should do it this way even though um so he's he's you know he's not even chair right now but but he's like wielding that kind of power behind the scenes and if we could get the this one guy out i think the entire police commission would improve because is this this the guy that's your opponent yeah he is really the the most powerful person on the board of police commissioners and the most obstructionist person on the board of police commissioners to true police accountability and real civilian oversight. So switching gears a little bit um, because we're running out of time and I want to get to a couple other things, but uh, you founded the Detroit residents advancing civilian oversight, which is a group dedicated to educating the Detroiters on the role of the police commissioners. Um, so they can, uh, so they may use the resource to protect liberties and safety of themselves yep. and their neighbors. Uh, has this, has this oversight committee, the Dra- Draco, 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 uh, has Draco ended up um, 
Has it been catching people? Like, has it been like? By the way, it's first ask real quick. How much time do we have left? Uh, about 10, 15 minutes. Okay, because there are some things I wanted to kind of make a okay. pitch for in there, but maybe you already know. Um, yeah. before no, we I got, finish, I got but... some notes here. Okay, yeah. Um, Detroit residents of Vancey's feeling oversight. I created this group specifically because of my experience in 2017 of finding out that most people had no idea what a police commissioner was. And so in between, I just, you know, and I realized that, I mean, there was partially the long-term aspect of, well, if I run again, I'm going to have the same problem unless people know what a police commissioner is. The other part of it, though, is in general, people should know about their government and should know what it is. And regardless of whether it's me or somebody else, they should be electing a commissioner who's going to do civilian oversight and not somebody who they're imagining should be the top cop. Um, and so based upon that, I, um, formed the group and now I always pronounced it Draco. And when I was growing up, D-R-A-C-O was always pronounced Draco. And then now I'm noticing, and I don't know when the language turns, but in the past, maybe five years or so, I've noticed more and more people saying Draco. So it's some kind of linguistic turnaround or something. Wasn't that the villain in Rocky four? Oh, that was that was Drago. I'm thinking of Apollo Krieg and he he was the Russian guy in Rocky Four. The Russian. The would like, been this, okay, I'm thinking of I other must Rockies. break you. It may have been, and um, but yeah, now I hardly ever hear anybody say Draco anymore. But if you watch any old movie or something, you'll realize that people used to say Draco, and now suddenly people say Draco. So I'm not quite sure when it changed, but it just did. It's kind of like, you know, um, all my life, this um, carbonated beverage was called pop, and then people start calling it soda. Um, so in any case, yeah, that's I call it Draco. You can call it Draco. I guess I don't care. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah, the whole point was to educate people about the Board of Police Commissioners. And I even, at some point, um, the group took on a bigger mission because we um, had a vote in First of all, it was to get a charter revision on the ballot. There was one vote. And if the chart, if the charter, I mean, if the charter got revision, got voted for, that would open up the entire document to change. Being distrustful of politicians and politics and the fact that this got zero publicity before the election it was in, I thought that it would be a bad thing. And so to protect against this, the first mission um, we had Draco doing was going around and getting literature out to people, advising them why they shouldn't vote for this because it might endanger um, civilian oversight in Detroit. Well, what ended up happening is it passed. Um, Most people, if they know nothing in Detroit, usually will vote yes instead of no on something, I find. It's more likely for a proposal to pass than to fail if there's no information about it out publicly. People think it's probably good if they put it on the ballot. Anyway, we had, so we got a charter commission. Well, I wanted to stay on this because I wanted to make sure that there wasn't going to be a destruction of civilian oversight. We ended up having, we ended up being part of the whole vetting process and, um, you know, passed out literature and stuff about answers candidates for the charter commission gave regarding civilian oversight. And then once they got elected, and actually we had a slight majority of the people we liked down there, Eventually, they all kind of came around. 
um, we actually then um, formed, we got chosen by one of the um, charter commissioners to organize a focus group or focus. And, and we, I became the chairperson and eventually I had a co-chair of a focus group um, on civilian oversight in the police department. We were actually going to write the rules for how the board of police commissioners was going to be different than it is now actually be even stronger. Well, like a long story short, the charter revision was completed and was put to a vote by the people and it lost. Um, big powerful businesses like the ones that are now funding my opponent or whatever these groups like the, with these mysterious names with unseen contributors and lots of money ended up doing a huge ad campaign with great big billboards just saying P is a problem. That was the letter it had and people voted it down. The major newspaper that endorsed my opponent called the Free Press, they actually wrote a, a lie. They just outright made things up that weren't in the charter and said they were in there in the revision to get people to vote against it. So um, that's kind of, you know, brings us back to where we are now. Right. <laughs> um, so I know that you also chaired the Civilian Oversight Citizens Focus Group. Um you guys have a lot of oversight groups going on in Detroit. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, they advise the Detroit Charter Revision Commission, uh, charter language pertaining to civilian oversight in Detroit Police Department and a member. And you are a member of the 5th Precinct Police Community Relations Council. So you're basically inundated within the police community, with, within the law enforcement community. Um mm -hmm. Obviously, it sounds like you should be uh, on the police commission. You should be one of the commissioners on the police commission. Am I saying that right? Because um, yes. But so, what is the big like? What's the big why? Why are you why are you running for this position? What what is your end goal? My end goal is to um, really transform policing in Detroit to be something that is much more um, friendly to the residents where the um, there's um, a, a stronger um, barrier against um, abuse of power um, where there where um, more people feel safe. I mean, they call it public safety. And part of that is being safe from violent crime, of course, and um, criminals that are outside the government. But the other part of it is, um, we, you know, we also need to be safe from the police themselves sometimes. Um, in last summer, you know, 2020 really shined a big, you know, a big giant spotlight on that with the death of George Floyd. But it wasn't like he was the first person to die at the hands of police. We've had, you know, um, incidents here in Detroit. And I mentioned one where the woman lived, but the point is there, this is not something that just a singular event, it just got people, it was like a last straw that broke the camel's back, if you will. And we need to realize that there is a, you know, obviously um, government is, you know, as Jefferson said, a, you know, a fearsome master, um, but we have to, um, we, we need to, um, remove some of the dangers that we face as a result of the enforcement powers of government. Um, at, and that part of that means that if the enforcers themselves, at least if we can keep them in check, at least keep them limited to what the, of the civilian authority is telling them to do and not to go beyond 
um, that level of aggression, that we've at least scaled it back somewhat, that people can be a little safer, that hopefully we don't have innocent people being shot when they're walking away from a crime or being strangled or choked um, when they're being held or um, women being beaten in hospitals when they need medical attention. Um, these are things that um, at least we can do to get things moving in the right direction. And so that's one thing. I also want to get rid of a lot of the corruption in Detroit. Um, we've had issues with people. The bribery case that involved my councilman has involved. Oh, I got a phone going off. Let me shut this off. There you go. Um, have also um, involved um, other acts of um, there's been other cases where there's been police implicated in the scandal. And my opponent accepted $500 from a towing um, company owner. And so, um, you know, I don't know if it's going to, unfortunately, I guess for as far as what I'm doing right now, um, he hasn't been indicted on that yet. But um, the point is, we, we got a corruption problem, we got a violence by police problem, um, we got misconduct problems, and I want to make, want to clean that up. I want to have a responsive board of police commissioner that actually hears complaints, they're blocking complaints. We have a backlog of hundreds of complaints. There was, in fact, there was one case where a murder investigation, someone was making a complaint about them doing a shoddy investigation of a murder, and they, it was involving a lady named Kanisha Coleman, and they turn around and change the cause of death, or the, somehow they got the coroner maybe to change it from a homicide to a suicide, and it's like, oh no, see, there's no homicide to investigate anymore, so you have nothing to complain about. Um, and then when the person, a relative that I know of this woman goes and tries to push the matter, he gets the runaround. Um, that's the kind of thing we need to stop. We need to have um, oversight that is not obstructionist, that is responsible for the citizens, that we need to have people in office who understand they are public servants, that they are not public masters. I so I before uh before i ask you to like just pitch everything that you've got going on i just want to say it take it's amazing to me that um the city of detroit took a math and physics professor um at the at the college and while he's running for city clerk and the city took this this math and physics professor running for city clerk and then got him to the point where he's like, you know what? I'm going to fix the entire police department. <laughs> I'm going to fix everything about the police here in Detroit because of how you guys treated me. Um, I, and I find like, that's inspiring uh, on its own level uh, because you are going out and you are, you are making a difference in Detroit uh, with your different oversight committees and, um, with your different oversight committees and the fact that you're continually trying to fight against the uh, corruption that's going on there. Uh, so kudos, like I good on you. You, you are walking the walk and talking the talk. Um, so before I let you go, I know that you got some stuff that you said you wanted to pitch. Uh, what, what do you got for, what do you got for the people who are watching okay. or listening? Well, this is probably one of the best funded campaigns I've been involved with. Um, however, as I said earlier, my opponent has um, a group of people that, while they're not donating to his, his um, campaign directly, what they're doing is they're advertising for him. They got a campaign to get him reelected. And this is the same outfit that defeated a proposal just by inundating the public with tons of advertising. 
Right. They've stepped up a level where I where I've managed to step up my campaign. They've stepped it up and it keeps going like that. I expect them to keep it going. And the one way to push back is I need to have take this all the way through election day, the last election day, I call it, because we have voting going all the time, and um, have a strong campaign all the way up to 8 p.m. on Tuesday. And to do that, I need paid poll workers. Unfortunately, it's just hard to get people to volunteer to hang out there from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. all day long, rain or shine, and promote a candidate. And so... Um, the going rates typically a hundred dollars a day. I think I probably got 500 covered for the first five polling places. So really I need to raise more money, at least another $500 at minimum to get those other poll workers in there. Cause if I cover the top 10 polls, um, then I think we can get this. And I also, in anything else I happen to get over, um, I would use to, for electronic advertising, um and that kind of thing as well but the main thing is i do need poll workers at the polls and i need to have paid poll workers and so my website is detroitlivesmatter.org and it's .org i know someone way back had misspelled it as the as a .com and they didn't get to it but detroitlivesmatter.org Detroit and lives, um, yeah. you can also put scottybowman.org. It's still a .org. And it'll redirect to that. So either way, you'll get it. Either scottybowman.org or detroitlivesmatter.org. A lot of people misspell my last name. I think I actually own scottybowman.org also, and it redirects. Um, so either one will get you there. But I need contributions. Um, oh, at this point, really, the dig- unless you live in Southeast Michigan, in which case I will drive out and get the check from you, um, you need to really do it um, digitally. And I've got a PayPal link there. You don't have to have PayPal to use the PayPal link. You can scroll down, pay as guest, and use a debit or, or Visa or MasterCard. Excellent. Well, so thank you so much for taking time out. Like, you have an election coming up on Tuesday. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time to uh, sit and talk with me because anybody watching the show right now, uh, like I said at the beginning, has a lot. Of, they have a lot of choices for a Thursday evening. It's a lot of drink specials going on across the country tonight. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that they choose to spend it here watching me. Uh, but you have an election going on, and you're in the final five days of it. So like, I am definitely appreciative that you are here. Uh, spending time with me to talk to, about it. So uh, I put DetroitLivesMatter.org and ScottyBowman.org into the comments uh, across platforms. So people should be Thank able you. to, uh, people should be able to find it. Uh, I, I wish you the best of luck. I hope to God you get. So one last question in 2020, you got 20,357 votes. How many votes do you think you're going to need to win? Well, the thing is, I wasn't opposed on that one. Okay. And so, and we had record voting. So, yeah, I got more than 97%, whatever. Um, what I'll need to win, because we're probably going to have much lower voter turnout, it might only be like, and I'm just going to throw some numbers out here. It might only be like, I might only need 5,000 votes to win, just because of low voter turnout. Our, our right. clerk is predicting. Yeah, on the off, off year elections. 
Yeah. And she, well, she actually is blaming it on the quality of the candidates, which I somewhat agree with because she is running in this election. Um, and she is responsible for encouraging voter turnout. So yeah, okay. The quality of one of the candidates, at least maybe right. the reason, but um, yeah, in any case, um, yeah, we have, um, and, but, you know, I've, I've gone all over this district knocking on almost every door um i know i keep my nose itches but i'm knocking on every door all over the district um i've actually visited every household at least once in the past few years because of my work on the community advisory council with draco and so on so i've been all over the place and by the way if you're interested in draco it's draco.life a lot of people may not know what the suffix would be on that um yeah so this is a, a serious campaign um i've definitely been out as far as my own efforts way out doing my opponent who has probably done very little as far as you know direct um community interaction but again if you got this group there that's willing to spend unlimited funds i mean i guess everything's a limit but lots of funds um then i gotta step it up and they're stepping it up and i gotta keep ahead of them no, absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much. I wish you the best of luck. Uh, Spike and I have a show on Tuesday and we will uh, definitely be covering uh, what is happening in your election along with some of the other ones that are going on across the nation that day. Uh, so keep us informed. Let us know what happens. Uh, and we're, we here at Muddy Waters are definitely rooting for you. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much. Um, uh, if you want to hang out for a little bit afterwards, be my guest. I've got to close this thing out, but uh, I will talk to you again very soon either way. Okay, thank you. To everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I definitely appreciate each and every one of you. Now, if you are one of those people who uh, isn't happy with the amount of content you are getting from Muddied Waters Media, right now fear not because there is another option you all whoops finger double tapped it you all have the option to i that's gonna be way too loud for you to hear me probably you all have the option to subscribe on anchor anchor.fm slash muddied waters slash subscribe for the low price of two cups of coffee a month. Skip Starbucks twice a month. Get this. You get bonus content. You get 10% off at the Muddied Water store. You get uh, a monthly Zoom call, uh, plus a bunch of other cool stuff uh, that you uh, will have access to over time. Uh, it's it's definitely worth the 10 bucks a month. Uh, and... Uh, well, we would appreciate it because it would allow for us to produce better shows. Um, coming up tomorrow, we have Cajun and Eskimo from Bayous to Igloos at 9.30 Eastern. I think this week. We're going to find out tomorrow. It might be at 10 o'clock with Cajun going, oops, again. Uh, but from 9.30 Eastern tomorrow, um, 9.30 Eastern tomorrow, Cajun and Eskimo. Then this weekend, uh, Spike is somewhere. I don't remember where he is, but you can probably find more content from him this weekend. Then on Monday, on Mr. America, The Bearded Truth, 
Jason Lyon has Sean Grijalva. I should have asked him how to say that today. Sean Grijalva. Uh, and they are going to be talking about veterans and their affairs. And then on Tuesday, you can join me and Spike Cohen right here, 8 o'clock-ish Eastern on Muddied Waters of Freedom, where Spike Cohen and I will parse through the week's events like the sweet autumn angels that we are. Then I'm not sure if Spike has a show next week. I, his calendar doesn't have it. So I don't think he has a show next week. But if he does, you're not going to believe who his guest is or what his topic is, depending on which way he's going with it. And then next Thursday, on an all-new episode of The Writer's Block, I have Jenny Cadell, who is running for State House in Iowa. Uh, Jenny, if I pronounced your name wrong, I apologize. Uh, but she will be on uh, next Thursday, 8 o'clock, right here, Muddied Waters Media. Tune in. You get five fantastic nights a week of Muddied Waters Media. And then next week, you might even get some, you might get some bonus content from us as well. Um, fun fact of the week. The seven holes that you see in every Ritz cracker, they are called docking holes. Take that for what you will for episode 69. Have a great week, everybody. I will see you all again very soon. Um, yeah, enjoy your weekend. And for the writer's block, I am Matt Wright, and you are perfect the way you are. I am. I am. I am swinging from a seven-story window, throwing parties in a ten-by-seven cell. It's a stunning